welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing a pastor's perspective on freedom. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, listeners. It's so good to uh, be here with you, Brian. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to all of our listeners. We're excited that you're here with us today. This is our last episode, and we it is premiering oh. on July 4th. Yay! My country is Oh my gosh, we're in an interesting Sweet mood. land of liberty. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm pretty pumped up. I love, I love July 4th, so I'm pretty excited about that. Before we get to that, let's tell all the people, you need to subscribe, you need to yes. like, you need to share. You need to send us feedback. We need to get this on YouTube so that we can tell people to like ring the bell because that's apparently a thing. Uh, Email us at f4l at okillbc.org. Let us know where you're listening from. Give us your feedback. We just we just want you to know that there's people out there listening to us. So yeah, we love communication and conversation. So be a part of it. We're we're taking a break for four weeks. We'll be back on August eighth. But today, we're talking about freedom. Freedom. This is July 4th. I love July 4th. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the. I love eating hot dogs, hot dogs. and hamburgers. You gotta eat hot dogs. And I love being with family, and it's like hot, and you're sweaty yeah. all day. Yeah. And then you have fireworks. And you blow stuff up. You blow stuff up. It's Let's the greatest go. holiday. It's the greatest holiday. So there was one time on the 4th of July where... I was uh, not supervised. Oh, no. uh, Maybe I shouldn't tell this story on the air. Well, let's just say that I blew things up. Thankfully, nothing was destroyed that shouldn't have been destroyed. I was was pretty smart about how I blew things up, but I will not share exactly how I blew things up. It was a good time. Do you think you're past the statute of limitation with your folks at this point? I did tell them about it. Oh, you did? Okay. I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. I did did tell them about the flamethrowers and things of that nature. I will not confess the multiple M80s and <laughs> bottle rockets and all the things that we did. Freedom. <laughs> anyway, yes, anyways, freedom. So, okay. So, yeah. So What's your favorite thing about the 4th of July? 4th of July? Ah, oh, man, I don't Independence know. Independence Day uh, for America. I just, yeah, all of those things. I love all those things. I do like the fireworks, but, you know, I, I love the fireworks when it is hitting like really fast the deep fireworks that you feel in mm-hmm. your in your stomach and you're just like it just hits it's a mm-hmm. deep bass yeah. booming i don't know why but i just love that feeling it just yeah. feels super epic to be honest the most impressive fireworks i've ever seen and it wasn't on the 4th of july it was thunder over yes, Louisville. i was literally <laughs> thinking about that very oh my gosh yeah we were down on the waterfront and they basically uh, blow up the two bridges the, i know it's crazy the bridges are blown up no <laughs> and they have barges out there and it's yeah it's everywhere it's, so. it is one of the largest fireworks show in america yeah it's um, really cool but uh, it, it makes me think. I mean, it, it's funny because even at that, they're they are celebrating freedom there yes. as well. They do they do all of those same things. That's right. Yes. And so so we have a unique perspective because we are both born in America. In America. Yeah. And we have been blessed to live in different states. That's right. Yeah. So what, what I are, was born in yeah. Arkansas. Okay. Lived there for just like three years. We moved to Texas. I lived there for about six years. So then we went from Texas, which Texas. is hot and muggy mm. and the land of snakes and mm. and all and, and giant cockroaches and all those things. We moved up to Michigan. <laughs> so from the bottom to the top. And then we did not own a winter jacket. Oh, we had, you know, we had light jackets, you know, but like in Michigan, you need like a winter coat, like a winter. We did not own winter coats. We had to go, we got there and it was like the fall, but then like in the fall in Michigan, like it snowed and we had to go like buy winter coats because we had no winter coats. So we moved to Michigan. I lived there for seven years. Mm -hmm. Then I lived in Kentucky for a good long while. And then now I've been in Indiana for almost 18 years years. Wow. So I've lived uh, in Indiana for, for a long time now. Indiana is the 
place I've lived the longest out of any place. That's crazy. It's funny though, because like not that doesn't necessarily mean that Indiana has shaped you the most. Not sure. in your formative years. Um, that's what I find interesting. It's about. probably Michigan and and, and, and Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. For me, I was born in Florida. It's funny. I'm listening to you talk about your states. Like Florida, to me, it's like similar to Texas and the climate and stuff. But it, you know, alligators. Like I just remember, like you go to the grocery store and there's an alligator. Right. Like, you know, like it's alligators like are everywhere. Every day. Yeah. 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 So alligators and snakes. I lived there till it was about five. And uh, my dad's uh, in the military. We ended up moving to Virginia. And uh, I spent most of my time uh, in Virginia. Um, But it's funny, my dad's from Michigan. So I spent Mm -hmm. a lot of time going up to Michigan, too. So I kind of know what you're talking about there. But um, yeah, Virginia, I I lived from like five to, I mean, until I went away for college. So I lived in several different places in Virginia. Full of history everywhere I lived. There was some ridiculously historical thing that happened, a uh, major historical thing. Lived in Kentucky from about 2009 to 2016, and then and then now I'm in Indiana. I've been here since 2016, and, and uh, I'm loving it. Never thought I'd live in Indiana, but, you know, it's a great it is, state. It is the best. So, ah, I mean. It's really great. I really <laughs> love Virginia. I mean, I like Virginia's history. Let me put it that, that way. Is, yeah, no, no, that is true. There's not, nothing beats the history of the original 13 right, colonies. Right. There's so much But there. as far as current living. Midwest yeah. living is the best. That, that is true. I, I'll give you that. We have all we have all four seasons, sometimes on the same day. <laughs> That's so true. You know, yep. and we live in the middle of cornfields. Mm-hmm. Like no, I, I cannot You'll exaggerate. Never go hungry. <laughs> People don't. If you don't live in Indiana, you don't understand this. Yeah. Like I, we, I, to get to my house, like the road, one side. So like you drive down the road, one side there's a golf course, the other side's a big cornfield. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then my neighborhood is past that. You yeah. know, and it's like people don't understand any plot of land. It's, it's just put, let's go plant some let's corn. Plant some corn. Yep. Just beside the road, if there's any plot of land that's mm-hmm. being unused, at one point they even you know the clover leaves. They were planting corn yeah. in the middle of the clover what? leaves. They stopped doing that. But I didn't know that <clears throat> there is corn. And soybeans. They should be everywhere. Back. They should everywhere. Back. I would like that. See corn in the clover. That'd be cool. Yeah. So Indiana's great. We have great rolling hills and beautiful forest. And, mm-hmm. and I love Indiana. So. Well, listen, you know, th- there's... There, there are so many amazing states in America. Every, every state in the United States has an awesome um, aspect to it. Um, and, and we are going to talk a lot about the United States, mm-hmm. but that's not the primary concern, right? We're talking mostly about like freedom. Yeah. And we don't, we um, don't want to come across as arrogant Americans. Right, we right. know that there might be some international listeners and we've done international travel ourselves. Yes. In fact, two episodes ago, we talked about some places we visited Yeah, and there are many different cultures that are amazing and, and fascinating. So right. we do, we want to respect all the nations and we don't right. want to say that America is superior or anything right, like that right. because <clears throat> we know God loves all people. Right. He created every one of us in his image. And so in that way, we are all, we are all loved by God. That's right. And so, but we are Americans. We love America. And we do love America. And we want to talk about that. Yep. Okay. Now I know that America is not perfect. Okay. We know right. our American history uh, we recognize our country has been part of some some terrible things. Mm-hmm. Um, we also know it's easy to really chastise America. It becomes like a a really easy punching bag for our our past, yeah. for the sins of our past. And I think we have to be careful because there are many many countries that have right. have sins in their if, past. If we can't if we can't look to the to the good things of, of any country, like like if you were to look at any country in the world and say, well, this country is amazing because anyone can come up and say, well, what about this in right. that country's mm-hmm. history? And and so what we're not really trying to do is like, you know, try to, to make an, a, an apology about, about all the terrible things that, you know, America has done because – Honestly, like we just don't have time to do that, and and uh, we have no control over what happened in the history of our right. nation, and the history of 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 the nations that I can't like my nationalities, like the or the ethnicities that I even come right. from, mm-hmm. like I, like almost all the European nations. Right, I, I, that's where my bloodline comes from. So like, I just can't do that. Well, and, all uh, all we can do is control how we conduct ourselves, ourselves now in the right. time that we live. That's right. And so we have to conduct ourselves with love and integrity and Christ-like pursuits. And that a part of that is having uh, goodwill and love for all people, Amen. no matter where they come from. And That's so right. we want to be about that. And with that said, though, we want to talk about America and why we love America. Yeah. Well, it's because of freedom. Freedom. Right. That's, there, that's really it. If there's one theme throughout the entire history is the theme of freedom. Yep. So why is this such an important aspect of identity? Freedom. 
of America. No, that was Scottish. Yeah, I know. That was Scotland. But that's why Amer- that's why every American man, especially Loves men, that maybe, movie. maybe women too, but that's why we love that movie because yeah. we're like, yeah! Because he fights for freedom. Yes. That's amazing. That's right. But anyway, sorry. So why is this such a, a, an important aspect of our identity as Americans? Or of America. It's the history, right? I mean, I think I think the history of how America came to be, a lot of it is infused with the idea of freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this comes down to our beliefs. It comes down to, you know, Christianity has a lot to do with the history of America. Not every aspect of America's coming into being is all about freedom, but but you cannot talk about the origin of America, even the discovery of America, without talking about pursuit of freedom, especially mm-hmm. religious freedom. Yeah, it's it's ingrained in our history and and really who we are as Americans. And I hope that as Americans, we will hold that as one of the most important things that that we have. Our identity as America needs to be based in that freedom. Right. And we'll talk more about what that means, but how does this freedom interact with Christians or other people of faith? It could be any religious persons living in America. Well, this freedom gives us Christians the ability to live out what God has told us to live out without fear of injury. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause here's the reality. Like we are always, this is what's interesting. We are always free to live out God's um, God's word mm-hmm. and to be faithful believers, but we might suffer injury for it. Right, like God, God will always um, uh, reward those who are faithful. I mean, Revelation talks about right. that. Mm-hmm. And so, no matter what the governmental system that you live under says, yeah. you are free yeah. by God's command. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, His command says you are free to live out we, His command. And we need to be thankful that all religious persons, not just Christians, need to be thankful for that. Right. And we also need to pray for those that are in countries that do not have religious freedom. That's right. Because, because we they have, do suffer injury for living have, out. Brothers and sisters all over this globe that meet in secret to live out their faith and to follow the Lord. And if they're found out, they are punished. Yeah. You know, the crime of um, a pastor smuggling a Bible is just as bad as somebody smuggling cocaine. Right. You know, in some countries. Or worse, even. Like, or yeah, worse, yes. Or worse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, America, right, built on freedom. So let's kind of talk about how that. Uh, played out yeah, let's talk happened. about let's give a little little history here. I know you're excited about this, but we do know there, contain it. <laughs> we do know there were indigenous people that lived in America uh, before anyone from the east explored here. You know, we we think of people coming over uh, <clears throat> through. I think many people believe that the Siberian land bridge, right? People yeah. came that way into America, and so you have uh, Native Americans. You have people that lived here before. But here's the interesting thing. America was explored by people from the East as early as 1000 AD. Yeah. That's that's so interesting. Viking Leif Erikson explorer was was reported to be the first here. Right. And yeah. so I thought that was super interesting because, you know, we always hear like Columbus. Right. Uh, 1492, Columbus oh, sailed the, the ocean blue. blue. <clears throat> but, you know, of course we do know Columbus, Vespucci, Cortez, Coronado, DeSoto. I mean, there were many explorers from this period, you know, from the 1400s onto the 1600s for like 200 years. Many people were coming to America and going back to Europe, and, you know, that was a huge time of, of well, exploration. And it started with trying to find, you know, with Columbus, it was a lot of it had to do with trying to find faster routes to get to the right. spice trades, mm-hmm. right? And so there were land trades. What's interesting about the Viking history is that there is a lot of Viking history about them going down and trading with Saracens mm-hmm. and, and getting, uh, that's how they get their Viking swords were so I love this stuff. They they got this amazing metal work from trading down there. Well, they were they were also trying to find routes of trade, and so they start going. They're trying to get around and find a faster way to those places, and they wind up <laughs> running into this whole new world that right. they never knew existed. Didn't know it was there, yeah. And so they start finding out ways to trade stuff there, mm-hmm. and so it becomes an economic, you know, commerce sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and more than that, they started settling, right? Yeah. People had explored and they did some temporary settling. Uh, most of the settlements failed. Yeah. They were not prepared for the harshness of 
the 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 untamed country. One of my favorites <clears throat> is the story. I say favorites. That's kind of a weird thing to say. But one of my favorite stories is the uh, the lost uh, colony. Oh, in, of Roanoke. Of Roanoke, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's not Roanoke, Virginia. That's Roanoke in North mm-hmm. Carolina, because that would have been the first uh, permanent settlement if not for they just disappeared. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the first, first settlement one, was in Jamestown. Jamestown. I believe it was 1607 was yeah. when the first settlement was. Uh, you know, do you know anything about? I know a this? little bit about. Okay. I, I, in some of it, it's not even just like factual knowledge. It's like that, that's where I lived. I lived. Do they teach the school children all about this? We go there. Like we went there. I mean, we went on uh, field trips to Jamestown and Yorktown and and Williamsburg. I mean, all these places. Listen, when I'm I in Texas, I, I visited those. the Alamo. Okay. Hey, that is really cool. <laughs> I've never been there. I want to go there. Um, I'm pretty sure there were Virginians there helping out. It's Anyways. a lot smaller than you think it is. By the <laughs> I way, I know. I've heard. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, Jamestown is an amazing place. I still remember going into, um, they have in like their museum. I think it's, I think it's James. No, no. Jamestown is, is like a, they have it set up like the fort and that, that's a really cool place. Cause you get to see the houses and the kind of the way they made the roofs and, and they live, how they there lived. are, there are actors or people yeah. that are doing the things yep. like like shooting cannon and and doing things like that they're you get doing to see like the ships. metal metal work and mm-hmm. and putting shoes on horses i can and stuff. still like smell the way that they cooked the the cornbread i mean oh, they would yeah. cook they would do this i can i can remember what it was like they would show you how they made fire they they had they also had um the indigenous uh peoples i cannot remember the name of the people but like pocahontas's tribe um and you know powhatan was the the chief there they had their their um <laughs> i'm having to go back to like third grade here they have they had their huts and the way that they lived in their in their um in their buildings that they had built um and it was amazing and i still remember seeing it so i'm, I'm struggling the, to find the words is it the pa- the powhatan yeah i guess so and um and so they people they li- i we had a statue of pocahontas in mm, where, in the town that i that's lived cool. in yeah and so like they lived all in that area and i remember seeing it and it was such a important i literally thought growing up that everyone felt as strongly about, you know, the beginning of America as I did, how awesome and, and cool it was mm-hmm. until I moved. And I realized, like, nobody knows about Jamestown or Yorktown. Or- well, Texas was uh, similar, although their history starts a little bit later, you mm-hmm. know, but they have the same, like, we're Texas and we yeah. have this Texas pride. And, you know, I was ingrained as living there for six years in elementary school. Like, I knew all about Texas. We would sing the stars at night are big and bright. Oh yeah, I never Deep heard that. Deep in the heart of Texas. You never heard that? <laughs> That's awesome. No. Oh <laughs> man, there's a whole song. <laughs> That's cool. There's a whole song about Texas. Anyway, but yes, you feel the same way yes. about Virginia. Yes. But as we know, early America was still under British control, but the land provided a lot of potential and opportunity that people needed freedom from England, especially right. people that were seeking religious freedom. The pilgrims and the Puritans come to mind were groups that were seeking religious freedom from from the Church of England specifically. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Because, you know, without going into all that history, like some of them would go up to the Netherlands and they were there. And I believe, was it the pilgrims who were in the Netherlands at the time and they ended up making their way over to... Um, Wow. You put me on the spot here. I know. I know. I'm not sure why I'm forgetting this. It's like, you know. It's Talking about super... Plymouth Rock? Thank you. Yeah. Good night. Sorry. Plymouth Rock. Uh, thank you. Which, uh, a place that I have been. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they came there for the purpose of having freedom to worship mm. God. Right. Like, that's it. Uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so this this land was an opportunity for people to have freedom. So how do these early days of people seeking religious freedom impact the future of America? Well, I think when you have something start out that way and that's like your primary goal and then you and then you're like pursuing that and fighting for that, it just becomes a part of the DNA. Right. Um, even if even if you don't want it to be a part of the DNA, it's there in in the history, in the buildings, like the way that things were even structured mm-hmm. in in city planning, mm-hmm. things were div- were purposed around worshiping God. Right. According to your personal beliefs. Well, you think from the time that the first settlement happened to the, the Declaration of Independence in 1776, you have uh, 170 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Basically 170 years. So that's a long period of time. 
And so these ideals of freedom and of religious religious freedom specifically became uh, sort of rooted and grounded over that 170 years into sort of the foundations. And when the framers came to, um, you know, come up with the, the Constitution mm, and yeah. come up with these things, they wanted to make sure that religious freedom was was a part of it. Now, I will not, I don't want to say like all of the framers were for this because there was a lot of debate and yeah. things that went on. Yeah. But Thomas Jefferson was one that was really big. In 1779, this comes from the Smithsonian Magazine, as Virginia gover- governor, Thomas Jefferson drafted a bill that guaranteed legal equality of citizens of all religions including those of no religion yeah, that's in, interesting. in the state. It was around then that Jefferson famously wrote, but it does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no God, neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg. It's interesting. Yeah. So that was a big idea of, of the framers, especially a few, a few of them that were really shaping the country at that time. Yeah. Yeah. James Madison, he said similarly that the religion the religion then of every man must be left to the conviction and conscience of every man, man to exercise it as these may dictate. The, this right is in its nature an inalienable right. Yeah, future president there speaking on, on that. He also said, who does not see that the same authority which can establish Christianity in exclusion of all other religions may establish with the same ease any particular sect of Christianity in exclusion of all other sects. That's the point. Right. Like mm-hmm. that right there, what he just said is the point behind religious freedom. Right. Because, yes, like, you know, well, well, you know, there were people like Patrick Henry that wanted yeah. to make Christianity the state religion. He wanted to make no other religion taught like in schools and things yep. like other than Christianity. Yep. So why would that be bad? Right. Uh, we might as Christians, we might say, wow, we almost had Christianity as the state religion right. in, in this in America. Well, so the reason why it might be bad is because, and, and he even said a particular sect of Christians. Right. So the reason why James Madison would say that is because of the history in England. So what is less likely, if you had Christianity as the state religion, it is not terribly likely. Which, which type of Christianity? Exactly, exactly. Is it the Church of England? Is it Protestantism? Is it right. Calvinism? Is it Lutherism? Yeah. Uh, is it Baptist? Is it Methodist? Because because Christians were killing other Christians in England. What what because is because of this? Because of these, in, you know, this law of of uh, making having a state church, right? And and it could so go the so far was, as being a whole nother religion, right? So the idea was let everyone practice their religion as they deem fit. The government will not interfere with anyone's religion. You get to practice it. The government also will not endorse a right. certain religion. Right. And I think that's really the best that that the best we can hope for when it comes in to a fallen a, world. In, in a fallen world and and wanting a free nation. That's right. Yeah. I mean, what what we have to be careful is is thinking of and thinking of um, any place in the world as being like the new heavens and new earth. Because, right. Because until Christ comes back, like we don't have that. And so we have to we have to understand we still live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the some of the most catastrophic mistakes that the world has ever seen right. has always come after people think, "Wow, we've made it, we've we've achieved utopia," and then it's like, "Ah, uh, then World War One." You know, right. like it's amazing how quickly pride comes before the fall. Right. So well, and this this in seventeen eighty six Jefferson had a bill of, that was ratified the separation of church and state. And this assured the freedom of religion for all what was passed in this. And the government could not interfere with your religious practices. So how is separation of church and state tied up with religious freedom? So this this was always confusing to me growing up because you hear it being used in media and, and things like that. Really, you hear it being used by secular people as a way to say, get your Christianity out of my life. Like, right. mind your own business. The church can't speak into government issues. Right. That's, that's not what that's it is. That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. What it actually says, this was so helpful. I learned it when I was in Bible college. And, and what it really is saying is that the state cannot be your religious uh, commander. Like the state is not capable of telling you how to be religious. Um, So you are definitely allowed to bring your religious convictions into government policies, 100%. But what you cannot do is have the the state or the law um, write into law 
uh, religious practices mm, or things that would prohibit religious practices. Or things that, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's where we understand it protects the church from government overreach. Right. Yeah. You individually can can believe and live out your your religious practices. The government can't tell you any different. Right. And that's and, not true everywhere in the world. No, it's not. I mean, other places in you know other places that are that are not uh, experiencing this type of freedom, and there's tons of other places that do have this type of freedom, and that's that's great. But not every place in the world has the freedom that says the government cannot tell the the, the church or any religion what to do. That's not always the case. So, if there is no state religion, uh, you can be whatever religion you want. How do we maintain this this idea of a free government, of free people that are allowed to practice whatever religion? Because this would seemingly clash, right? right? If I'm if I'm of this religious belief and you're of this religious belief, would we not clash? Well, there has to be a standard. There has to be a standard, right? So this this is where it gets interesting. There has to be a standard that we can all agree on and follow. It's all about our. It's all about our individual our rights. rights. Exactly. Yes. And so the framers were were very um, forward thinking in this because if we're people that are going to live together and have such stark differences. And we're going to allow all of us to live together in a free country. We have to be bound by something. Exactly. And that, that binding item is the rights of the citizens. Mm-hmm. We have to agree to honor each other's rights. And we understand that my rights end where your rights begin. Right. And we have to be able to say what those rights are. Right. And so what they did is they did that. They wrote some things, one called the Constitution and then the Bill of Rights, yes. which basically enumerates and guarantees those rights and freedoms. Well, so, the very First Amendment has in it that the, that bans the government from infringing on religious rights. Exactly. I mean, the, very, so, the very first thing that they were concerned about was making sure that religious freedom was protected. Right. So you are free to be a Christian, not just to be a Christian, but to live as a Christian, right. to live it out. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to do that based on... Based on uh, in America, based on American Constitution and Bill of Rights, and especially based on God's God's commandments, right? And we, and we have tons of other, you know, there were tons of other rights, and it was a whole collection of rights that protected people mainly from the power of the government. That's right. And so that was the purpose was to make sure that there wasn't, you know, they you think about what they were dealing with. They were dealing with a dictatorship. Uh, well, it was a, it was a monarchy, but basically a dictatorship, a partnership between. The crown and the church, right? And they ran everything. Mm-hmm. They ran everything. And if you sought to disagree or to be or to have dissenting thought, you could well, lose your life. And it, and it flip flopped. And I mean, think about that's that's again the history in England was like uh, you've got you've got King Henry, hmm. and then you had um, I cannot remember exactly who came right after him, but then you had or maybe it was. Queen Mary. So you had Henry and then his daughter, Queen Mary, Bloody Mary, who, who, so Henry is like, well, we're going Protestant. So now you all have to be Protestants. We're not Catholic anymore. And then Queen Mary is just like, uh, actually we're all going to be Catholics now. Right. And if you're not a Catholic, guess what? I'm going to kill you. That's right. why she's called Bloody Mary. Everyone's like, oh my goodness, that's where Puritans start coming from and they are moving everywhere. Well then, then <laughs> Queen Elizabeth comes in and, and it's like, hey, we're Protestant again. Like, hey, you know, it's like so right. people are dying left and right. And it's like at any given moment, it's like I'm either following the rules or breaking the rules and I don't know whose rules I'm supposed to be following anymore. And that's why they're like, listen, we're not going to deal with that sort of stuff anymore. And so instead of the government being, being able to flip flop what you're supposed to believe you're allowed to believe what you want to believe. right the government has a rights. has a civic duty to its people but not a religious duty right so right. that's very important for us to understand exactly. but what does this mean for christians and and the churches it means that we we need to take advantage of these things mm-hmm. right i mean we need to know that that's true that was so helpful for me when i finally realized that like no separation of church and state means that i have all of the freedom to live for god completely openly. Right. I don't have to be afraid of anyone. Nobody can tell me not to. Right. And so now I'm going to do it. Like I I felt like this, I don't know, like challenged almost to be more Christian in the public sphere. And as long as we, you know, as long as our religion uh, falls within, and, and I think, I think Christianity specifically does fall within, you know, we're not, we're not, um, true, true breaking, Christian belief, right? We're yeah. not we're not breaking the civic law by anything that we're doing. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, but if if there would be a 
a civic law that we would be breaking, we would have to maintain and be faithful to our Christianity no matter what. But from what we see, we have the right to gather. No one can stop us from gathering as a church. We have the right to assemble together. We have the right to uh, say what we want from our pulpits. Yeah. You know, now that doesn't mean freedom of speech gets conflated. That doesn't mean you have the freedom to say whatever you want apart from consequences. Right. Like if you go in to your, to your workplace and you just blast everybody. I have freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. Right. They also yeah, have freedom. You might get fired. They yeah. also have freedom to fire you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so freedom of speech doesn't mean that. Yeah, but the that's freedom, right. the idea of freedom of speech was the government can't keep you from, from preaching saying or saying things in your church, um, or it's going to keep you from speaking the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so, where where did the framers get these rights from? Yeah, so this is a little controversial in the sense many Christians are like, "There's biblical views, biblical uh, scriptural views in in these founding documents," and I definitely think you can trace lines mm-hmm. of thought. Yes. I don't think that you can go to specific scriptures and think, well, this scripture says all people must be free people. Right. right. Or, or you are guaranteed the right uh, of religious freedom, you right. know. Um, but he, here's the thing. When we think about anyone seeing people as valuable, as having God-given rights, this this is from the Genesis account. Exactly. This is straight out of scripture because God treats huma- teach humans with dignity and respect. He says that you are created in the image of God, which makes you distinct and special. Mm-hmm. You're not like all the other animals. You have the image of God on you. So when people are elevated with dignity and respect, we can be assured that that comes from our creator. Right, right. I, I think that the idea here is that what we're not saying is that the idea for these rights were like specifically proof texted from the Bible. Right. What we're saying is that there was a Christian biblical worldview mm-hmm. that drove these ideas. And and these ideas came out of a Christian biblical worldview. Uh, and not not all, you know, some people like to say that all the framers were Christians. No, they mm-hmm. weren't. Uh, some of them were deists. I mean, they believed in God. But here's the thing. They swam in the culture of a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. So, like, they thought in the same patterns of a Christian worldview just by the nature of living within a Christian context. And so it is important to notice that. It is important to notice that freedom, this idea of freedom, does come out of a Christian worldview, but it it's important also to notice that it's not like th- they went to the Bible to say, okay, Bible, tell us exactly how this is supposed to right. work. Well, the Bible does talk a lot about freedom in, in the sense of a spiritual yeah. sense, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we have to ask the question, how are spiritual freedom and physical freedom similar and, and how, how are they different? Right. We, you know, we talked a lot about this uh, in spiritual freedom in a previous biblical balance episode. You know, mm-hmm. we talked a lot about freedom in Christ and what yeah. that what that looks like. But freedom to live as as God designed, freedom to worship, this is the best kind of governance that we can we can hope to have. And so the way that this works out in in relation to our spiritual and physical is to know that we are we are spiritually free in Christ. That's right. Like you said. Yeah. The best practice is for us to be spiritual or to be to have uh, physical freedom in that well, as well. Here's an example. So but was, those two things mm-hmm. are not mutually exclusive, right? Just because you have physical freedom doesn't mean you're going to have spiritual freedom, and just because you have spiritual freedom doesn't mean you're going to have physical that's, freedom. That's right. I mean, think of the story. So I was telling you before this, like I think this applies um, of Daniel and the lion's den, and I was reading this to my to my son uh, recently, and I noticed that. Darius, King Darius, cries out to Daniel. Darius had this law that you cannot worship any other god or pray to anyone except for the king. Daniel disobeys that law, and he gets thrown in the lion's den. Darius loves Daniel and is like, did God, did your God protect you? And Daniel says, yes, he protected me because I broke no law. Right. And it's interesting. You have this, this – he did break a law. But he didn't break the true law. And mm-hmm. this is where what you're getting at is – in our fallen world, you can have governments that put laws on us that are ungodly, that, are, that that require us to do ungodly things, and in which case we have to obey the law that supersedes that. That's exactly. God's law. 
And so we might have spiritual freedom in Christ to fully obey him without having the the uh, freedom in this world to do that. Right. Thankfully, in America, a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, and probably in one of the best ways in the world uh, so far that we've seen in history, you have an overlap of spiritual freedom mm-hmm. and governmental right. freedom. Mm-hmm. To, to live this out. Right. And that's kind of been unheard of. Uh, and, and, it's, and it is something that's very tenuous. It's not guaranteed. Right. Well, it's important to understand, like you said, we, we think about our Christian brothers and sisters who are persecuted. They have the spiritual freedom, Amen. but not the physical freedom. That's right. Now, here in America, we have physical freedom. That doesn't guarantee us spiritual freedom. Right. We must remember that that is all based in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just right. because we're free to worship and you can go to church and you can talk about God and all these types of things, you can pray. That doesn't mean that you are a Christian. Right, because you might still be a slave to sin. That's right. So we have to remember those two things are not mutually exclusive. I think that's one of the important things that we have to we have to pull out. So we understand that we live in a representative democracy, and I believe that's the best form of government we can hope for in this fallen world, mm-hmm. right? I mean, obviously, we think about a theocracy right. ruled by God. That's what we're going to have in heaven one day, by the way. Right. Heaven's not going to be a democracy. Praise God, there won't be senators and yeah. Uh, yeah. and uh, representatives well, and presidents. It will be God and God's way, mm-hmm. and God will rule with justice and love like he like he ruled, like we see in the scriptures. And so we we see that and we're like, wow, we long for that one day. But here, because we have so many different types of people and so many different types of belief, we can't we can't have a theocracy. Yeah, you know? it's it's interesting. There's actually I'm gonna throw something at you, see what you think about it. There's there's actually um an, a Greek I think it's a Greek uh teaching of I've, I've heard uh people talking about and, and it's you know it's something that smarter people understand that talks about the cycle of government mm. and the way that government works is, is essentially like an establishment of a good type of government that degenerates into the bad type. And if you look at it, it's like, you can see the pattern monarch degenerates into dictatorship. Um, and then you have, what is it? Um, is it a, um, where you have a smaller group of people, help me think of what this is called, smaller group of people ruling um, who rule, and that turns into like an oligarchy Mm -hmm. where they have total control. So it's like one person, and that's a good thing, but then it ends up becoming a bad thing because they use their control for themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you have a smaller group of people that are controlling everything. Well, then it becomes a bad thing because they're controlling everything for themselves. Well, then you have a representative democracy. That's a good thing because of the way everything is operating, but then it degenerates into uh, anarchy Mm -hmm. and mob rule. Well, and and, and that's not to say that we're not trying to say like our government is perfect. That's that's what I'm getting. Yeah. We're far, we're far from it. But, but the reality is if, if we would, we have the opportunity to elect our officials, and if somebody doesn't uh, represent your your area, your, your the group of people mm-hmm. that they're representing, then within a certain time limit, right. you vote them out. Right. You vote someone else in, and so that that is a way, sort of the checks the checks and balances that we have in America are unique to our system. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to get at. All of these things degenerate and naturally mess up because of the sinfulness of man. And what makes the the representative democracy that we have set up so good and not impervious but capable of escaping this degeneration mm-hmm. is the fact that we're able to go back and and. And fix it. Mm-hmm. So when it starts to de- degenerate, people are able to say, "Oh, you're not dealing with integrity. You're out." Mm-hmm. And so then we're able to we're able to to manage it on the fly right. instead of somebody just having complete control. Yeah. And so it is it is one of the best yeah. we've seen in a fallen world. But and, it's still, and idealistically, we say that obviously you know realistically, there's things that you would want to be different. Oh you'd want, yeah, you'd want things to change in well, some that's some aspects. Because, it's a fallen world, right? Right. It's just, it cannot be perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have to be careful. This is where like Augustine's city of God is so helpful because like you just can't think of any one government in the world as, right. as being the city of God because right. it's not. It's exactly. still the city of man. Yeah. Well, and that begs the question, you know, we think about we have a a nationality. We have a citizenship on this earth. We also have a heavenly citizenship. And I think this is important for Christians to consider this when we come to this topic, right? Mm -hmm. How do we, 
uh, think about our heavenly citizenship in conjunction with our national citizenship. You know, we are born where we're born. You can't control it unless you immigrate to another country and join as a citizen. But our heavenly citizenship is discovered when we believe the gospel and we're adopted into God's family. Yeah. We get our we get our um, our passport, so to speak, <laughs> to heaven when we believe the gospel. And so, should we consider one citizenship more important than the other? One hundred percent, yes. Like you, I, I think, and uh, and I haven't I haven't read exactly where you're drawing this out, but I'm pretty sure we agree with that. Um, I I think that. Um, one citizenship is not only lesser than the other, it's actually, it's subservient mm. to mm-hmm. the other. So I believe that my Christian citizenship, my, and I'm, I am in one sense, yeah, you're right. Like it's discovered, we believe the gospel, but there, you know, the Bible talks about that being born again. Like mm-hmm. we are born into this right. um, and adopted into God's family. Um, that is the most true thing about me mm-hmm. is who I am in Christ. Right. And everything else in my life must be subservient to that, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, it all for the glory of God. So my Americanness has to be used for the glory of God. Well, ultimately, your your citizenship in, in America will come to an end when you die. That's right. Your heavenly citizenship will go on into eternity. That's so right. it's important to realize that we kind of have a dual citizenship in That's a right. sense. Hey, we are heaven. We are heavenly citizens, and we are um, national citizens of we us of America. Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile our civic duties as a citizen of this country, and still keep our heavenly citizenship preeminent? Because I, I do agree, our heavenly citizenship is is important. But that doesn't mean, you know, it's it's some people have said um, yeah, have no, wanted no, to I like mm-hmm. some people have wanted to like succeed from their 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 no, country no, or or co- no, and say yeah. I'm a Christian I'm no okay. I'm no longer an American right how do we reconcile those it's things? like it's like when Jesus says similar to the way Jesus says um you know talking about his family it's like um if, if you don't come to me and hate your mother and father and your brother and sister then then you do not you know are not my follower you do not love me and a lot of people the way we translate that the way we understand it is okay I need to love my family less and love Jesus more mm-hmm. that's not what Jesus is saying right. What he's saying is the distance between your love for your family and your love for him should be so great that it makes it makes it look like you don't even love your family. But what that means is love your family more. Mm-hmm. Like you should obviously the rest of the Bible helps us understand love your family. So so think of it on a scale. Like imagine looking upward and you see the scale of how much I love my family. Jesus isn't saying push them down. He's saying push them up. Love your family. Love your mother and father. Love your brother and sister. Love them more and more and more and more and more. And your love for Christ should be exponentially greater. So it's like if your love for your family grows by 1%, your love for Jesus should grow by like 25%. Right. And that's the way I feel about our citizenship in America. I love, I'm a Virginian and you know that I'm like crazy about that. I love America. I I love, I love these things, but this is what I want for all people everywhere. I want everyone everywhere they live to love their country and I want them to love God infinitely more. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And that I think is if you love God infinitely more than you love your country, you can still love your country like to an insane level. Right. And if you live that out, you will find yourself being a better citizen of your country. Yeah, these two things, love of God and love of country, are not mutually exclusive. That's right. The love of God always, 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 over everything, over over your own, even love of your own self, of your own family, is is preeminent. That's right. But then we can also love our country. We can, we can follow Jesus in the way that he's called us to, to follow Jesus, and we can perform our civic duty. Yeah. We can be a part of this nation and and participate in voting and and sing the national anthem and and do those types of things that that make us citizens. We can support our military. We can do all of the things that that we're supposed to do in our our civic duty and love Jesus. Here, and we can also love Jesus and do our, and civic, do our duty. civic duty. Here's what I love seeing whenever I go to these other countries and and I interact with genuine believers i find one i have way more in common with these other believers mm, that's true than i do with other people in my own country who aren't believers like so much in common but then what i love to see is how their love for god directly translates into the way that they live out their their mm-hmm. 
particular yeah. setting. So I love seeing some of my Egyptian uh, believers, um, how how godly they are and how much in common we have and how distinctly Egyptian they are. How In my Vietnamese friends, how much they love God, how close we are in, in our love for another, but how distinctly Vietnamese they are and how their love for God actually helps them mm-hmm. do that even better. Yeah. It's it's so weird. Like it, it, God did this on he designed a really cool way of being so connected to other people around the world while also being so interestingly yeah. different. The, the the one danger that I would that I would uh, caution people is just because you're an American doesn't mean you're a Christian. And yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so I want us to be careful in saying that America is a place where all religions are accepted and should be accepted. And so we can't conflate uh, your American citizenship with your heavenly citizenship. Those are two different things, both given in different ways. Another thing kind of related, I would like to say to any listener who is not originally from America, but you now are Mm -hmm. an American citizen. Here's what's cool about this. You can be a, a Christian just, you know, primarily Christian. You can hold, you can have your, um, other cultural, you know, heritage and things like that and be American. These things do not have to totally wipe out the other is what we're trying to say. Right. Exactly. They all flow together and subserve Christ at the end of the day. So, so like, that's exactly right. You know, if you moved here from uh, Mexico, be a Mexican American Christian where Christian is the fundamental reality of who you are. And these other things are just ways in which you are able to live out right. glorifying God. What's amazing about America is that the nations have, have come to us. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And so as a believer, we can have a very missional focus here in America. We 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 love our missionaries and we support them, those that go out. But listen, we don't have to go very far to see international people coming from all nations to America. Even here in Evansville, Indiana. Right. There are many international people that have come here. So the nations have come to us. And for us to have a missional focus, not just for Americans, but for all people, for international people yeah. that come here, is going to um, is going to be part of what we do and how we live out our faith here in America. Right, yeah, ex- exactly. Because I think some of the fear that um, a lot of Christians have when other people of other cultures and other religions mm-hmm. move somewhere is they become like, Afraid that uh, those religions are going to um, take over Christianity, not not take over, but like, yeah, you know, um, well, uh, I seep into Christianity and, mm-hmm. and 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 do that. So what we need to do though is not run away from freedom of religion and say, well, you can't worship, you know, whatever religion you believe in. Instead, we just need to be like even more Christian. Right. Like like distinctly and truthfully Christian. Befriending, exactly. sharing the gospel, yes. all those types of things. Yeah. Because if we believe in Christ and we believe that this is true, then like we want everyone to be able to live live out their lives and we just think that this is the 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 true way to do it. Right. Exactly. So, so. listen, both we, we Brian and I, we both love America. We love Jesus. These things are not mutually exclusive. Uh, like we said, Jesus needs to be first, but we can also love our country. Amen. Right? Amen. We can do that and acknowledge that we love our country even though it's not perfect. Right. There are some messed up things, disagreements, politics. I mean, well, on, It's like we love each other on, even on, though on, we're on. not perfect, right? right? So, right. yeah. But here's the thing. All Americans should be able to come together around the idea of freedom based in our rights as citizens. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important that we defend those freedoms that we defend the, with everything we have. Listen, we need to support the government. Mm-hmm. We need to support our military. We need to support our leaders up to the point where they infringe on those freedoms, mm-hmm. right? But otherwise, we need to do as Romans 13 says. We need to support our God-ordained government, right? Right. That's right. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I, I agree. And that's, again, like you said, it's it's we support the government. Um, and then, and then, if the government makes ungodly laws or even unconstitutional laws, because that's our government that we live on, right? Um, then we can then we can say no, uh, right. And be free to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, it's it's both and to those things. So maybe you're an American. You're listening to us. Tell us what you love about America. Right. Share with us uh, if, what what you love about this country. Yeah. If you're from another country, what do you love about your country? Because uh, we love uh, other countries and right. and here's here's the thing like there's there's no way in the world that we would want every country to be exactly like our country mm. 
And I hope that no one in in the world wants uh, America to be exactly like theirs because then there's no fun in that. Right. Like where's the where's the cool, Unique interesting, you know, diverse. What we want is universal, godly principles mm-hmm. to go throughout the world. We want people everywhere to have freedom to worship. Uh, the way that they see fit and right. because we want to be able to come there and tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So remember, Christians have this unique bond. It goes beyond nationality. It goes beyond our earthly citizenship. Right. We are one in Christ. We serve one Lord, Jesus Christ. And so we must always keep that in the forefront of our mind. And then as believers, I mean, as believers, as Christians in this, in whatever country you're in, celebrate the customs and the greatness of your country. I'm going to be celebrating the 4th of July with my family, and I'm going to be blowing stuff up because that's how we do in America. That's what we do. That's how we do. (laughs) Well, listeners, we hope that this has been encouraging. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot dogs, uh, big time. Or brats. Brats are even better. Oh, yeah, you're right. Brats. Brats are the best. They are so good. Yeah. Mustard, lots of mustard. Something else we've taken from Uh, other... From Germany, Germany. like, here we go, you know? So that's why I'm saying, like, we we cannot... We cannot get rid of these distinctions because then where would we... Where would brats come from? Oh, man. Okay, anyways. uh, But listen... Listeners, here, here I do want to say, because uh, I have a heart for the nations, and Brian does too, uh, obviously. Um, listeners from other countries, if, if this has been, if there's something in this that you're like, ah, oh, that was not, I did not understand that clearly, or help me. If there's anything we said that just didn't hit right with you, and, and you're from another uh, country, like, please let us know. Because sure. we, we love, we uh, love our listeners, we love our brothers and Christian, uh, brothers in Christ around the world. And uh, we're not perfect. And we, yeah, we're not perfect. Um, and uh, we just want to help all of us grow in Christ likeness and, uh, and in our freedom in Christ. That's right. Amen. Cool. All right. Well, we've talked about freedom. We've celebrated America. Now, talked about brats. That's all we got. All right. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll got a little bit of a break. Like I said, we'll see you back in August. I believe the date's August 8th that we'll be back. That's right. And uh, we're going to just pray for us as we are on our summer break. We got lots of things going on. And it's going to be a great summer. We're excited about it. And we'll see you on the backside. That's right. Thank you all for listening. We'll see See you you next time. But hurry up. Hurry up. No. Listen, I'm full of patriotism, so I don't know how long this is going to take. Yes, this is when Bald Eagle come in. So to me, America is basically just like fully indebted to Virginia. Like, like all I tell people, like, yes, I'm from Virginia. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! My friends used to be like, "Oh, Virginia, blah blah blah," and I was like, "Well, you know, Kentucky was Virginia at one point in time. West Virginia was Virginia at one point in time." And those people had the good sense to break off and make their own state.